When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We are always coming to you from bellyupsports.com, and we are here for a week seven pick and pod that I think can be best described as a nightmare. Alan Denton can be found at AD on the blackout. That's who he is. I am Thomas Black. You can find me at TB on the blackout. Alan, this week seven pick and pod is going to be loaded with a whole bunch of Injury intrigue, a whole bunch of questions, and a whole bunch of just throwing darts at the board and seeing what can stick because uh, I don't know what to do, but I'm happy that we're coming off of a relatively productive for both of us week six in the CBS Sports ATS Pick'em and over on the confidence side on ESPN. Oh boy, am I grateful that we did pretty well last week because I've had a colonoscopy before. And this feels an awful lot like what I was preparing for back then when I was drinking that fluid, bro. Oh, <laughs> this is man. gonna be this is gonna be one heck of a week. That is one experience that I do not have yet in life. It's a uh, I don't know what you could say, a blessing <laughs> that I haven't gone that route yet in life. But yes. it's coming for me one day. <laughs> And uh, I know kind of what you're saying because I feel all kinds of uneasy and queasy and uh, just very, 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 very unsettled as we head into week seven on our pick'em slate here on the best college football pick'em pod in the land. That's exactly right. It's going to be amazing, man. It's going to be amazing because Alan and I are going to do our very, very best to navigate these rough waters and we are going to see if we can lay out some winners for you, but it is going to be a very, very spotty board, and we're going to try our best to peg something that will stick and benefit you, the listener, and we'll see what we can do here as we go into maybe the most difficult week of pickums that I feel like maybe either one of us has ever seen. That's exactly right. When I look at this board, we talked about this just a moment ago off air, but when you look at this, just looking at the pure Vegas lines, you have a team in Oklahoma who's been whipped three weeks in a row as the highest favored team against a five and one Kansas team. Yeah. They're going to be without their starting quarterback in Jalen Daniels, but you and I both watched that team last week. And that was a team even without Jalen Daniels against a good TCU team that didn't look outmatched. Right. Which surprised the heck out of me. And this is just insanity. There's no way I want that game at a 10. Yeah, I don't know. I think that when you look at this pick on board, I think you're looking at 10 games where you can make an argument that either team can win, either team can cover the spread. And uh, just trying to find something that's definite is about the most difficult thing I think we've seen yet and uh, probably will see all season. I agree. I don't know that there's going to be another week kind of like this. 
until we get maybe into some of those last two or three weeks. Let's hope not. But, Alan, as we uh, get ready to prep for week seven, let's go ahead and look back at week six just so we can feel good about ourselves before we uh, get sick all over ourselves as we head into week seven. So, Alan, as we look at the ATS Pick'em over on CBS Sports, let's take a look at your week six where you went six and four. The wins were Tennessee minus two and a half, Texas minus six and a half, Iowa State plus two and a half, Notre Dame minus three and a half, USC minus 11 and a half, and TCU minus six and a half as an ATS lock. The losses were Utah minus four and a half, Minnesota minus four and a half, UTSA minus five and a half as an ATS lock, NC State minus three and a half, and Allen, the one in one week with ATS locks brings you to seven and five on the season, hitting at over 58% of the time. You're now 28 and 31 on the season. You're in a tie for 11th, just outside the top 10. You're only five games back of the lead. So, how are you feeling coming off of week six? Well, you know, and if you've looked back, it was a great week of football. It really was a, a lot of fun. But when you look at that game that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, TCU and Kansas, I got that lock right, but I think I underestimated, again, how good Kansas was. In some ways, that was more about Max Dugan and company and Sonny Dykes playing a really good game and being, I think, potentially a top six, top five type of team, maybe down the road, even a playoff team. This is one of those teams that I think showed themselves to be really good. I mean, it was a six and a half point spread and they covered it by half a point. (laughs) They beat them by a touchdown. So it was a lock by the hair of my chinny chin chin. The one I got wrong, UTSA versus Western Kentucky. UTSA honestly should have won that game going away, but they didn't. Western Kentucky came back on them and in many ways made that game closer than it should have been and could have won it closer to the end and only winning by three didn't cover that five and a half point spread. So I think UTSA didn't score as much as I anticipated and they weren't as crisp defensively as I needed them to be to cover. So just ended up eating that one, but one and one's not bad for the locks. Definitely not a bad thing. And when we have so many people sitting at about that 500 mark, a hair better, a hair worse in some cases. Going one and one, I think, is nothing wrong with that, especially when we can combine and have our total cumulatively between each other above 500. That's what we were able to do again this week with my locks. But Alan, you were super close on both of yours, man. You know, you talked about the TCU just getting it done. I looked at my wife. We talked about this. She's been up at the top of the leaderboard for a while now. She had Kansas plus the points in this matchup. She lost the bet just like you won yours. But I told her after the game, she was feeling kind of bad about the pick. And I said, look, if you watch that game and see how back and forth this thing was and how Kansas was going score for score with TCU, really, to me, it felt like Kansas was the right side in this game, plus the points. It just happens to turn out you got the lock right, like you said, just by the hair on your chin. But you go to the other side, and UTSA, like you said, they were up for what? by 10 points for a lot of that second half and ultimately had that late cover by Western Kentucky to be able to get the job done and knock the lock out from under your feet. That's one of those things, those late covers, the bad beat. And honestly, going one-on-one is probably where I should have been after the week, so I I can deal with that. Looking back, it's just a really fun week of college football. 
Definitely a really fun week. A lot of exciting things went down. Alan, my pick'em slate over on the ATS pick'em was incredible. I had the week that I could not imagine I could have had. I felt really good about my picks going in, but I ended up going eight and two. It's the first week anyone in our pick'em contest has achieved an eight-win week. So I'll probably get pie on my face this coming week, and I'll probably get like three games right or something. But man, it felt really, really good to go eight and two against the spread. The wins were Tennessee minus two and a half, Texas minus six and a half as an ATS lock, covering in a heartbeat, UCLA plus the four and a half as an ATS lock, UNC plus four and a half, Iowa State plus two and a half, Notre Dame minus three and a half, Southern Cal minus 11 and a half, and TCU minus that six and a half that you just talked about. The losses were UTSA minus five and a half and NC State minus three and a half. So, Alan, I did go two and zero on my ATS locks. That brings me back to five hundred on the season at six and six. But, Alan, my overall record went to thirty and twenty nine, above five hundred, just over fifty percent on the season. I'm now in a tie for fifth and only three games back of the lead. So, I'm feeling incredible as I walk into what we've already talked about a really, really choppy week seven that is going to be hard to predict. Bro, you nailed this week in such an incredible way. I was like, all hell Thomas for that, bro. Well, well done. (laughs) I do appreciate it. And one of the games that we have to emphasize that we both hit in this one was Southern Cal minus 11 and a half. This was a big one for me because I looked at it as the week went on and I flipped this pick back and forth because I thought Washington State could possibly play with Southern Cal. I ultimately went with the Trojans because of their ability to turn people over this season and because on the Washington State side, Cameron Ward has been a little loose with the football. And this thing was a little bit dicey into the second half, but Southern Cal eventually pulled away, got the win, and uh, I'm glad that you were on the same side as me, the fact that we both came away with this one and a win that I don't think was an absolute given that Southern Cal was going to cover. No, it really wasn't. As you mentioned, This was, in many ways, a four-quarter game in looking at this spread. With the spread being what it was last week, it took them the middle of the fourth quarter for that to flip. And it was something that I really, watching this game, I came away pretty impressed with Washington State. But USC just had a little bit too much juice. That's really what it came down to with Mario Williams, Travis Dye, and company just a little too much on their end. And I think that's ultimately why they covered. All right, as we flip the page over to the confidence pick'em on ESPN, Alan, you had another strong week here going seven and three with 48 points. The wins were Southern Cal at a 10, UTSA at a nine, TCU at an eight, NC State at a seven, Notre Dame at a six as a confidence value pick, Texas at a five, and Tennessee at a three. The losses were Utah at a four, Miami at a two, and Iowa State at a one as another confidence value pick. Alan, your record on the season is now 42 and 17. You've got 245 points. You're sitting well above the 93rd percentile, and you're in a tie for 12th and only seven points off the lead. So you've got to be feeling pretty solid coming off of a good, not great week in the confidence pick'em because we did have a lot of people over 50 points this week, but still a solid week considering that we had a lot of people with really good records. Yeah, remarkably. You sent out the email. We had, what, four or five people with perfect records this week. Just remarkable for those folks. I nailed the Notre Dame game. They were 
obviously the better team. Jaron Hall and company with BYU just didn't have enough explosiveness on offense. That Notre Dame defense is legit, and I think Notre Dame has found their footing offensively. They're just able to do enough offensively to take care of a BYU team that I still think is pretty good. Uh, One of the confidence picks that I put on the podcast last week that actually lost on was the Iowa State-Kansas State game. (laughs) I can't believe that two weeks in a row, your offense can't score more than 11 points. I mean, dear Lord in heaven, how bad are you offensively to not be able to do that against a team in Kansas State that's not the best defensively? And you're at home. That's a game they really, really should have won. Their defense was incredible. Some of the things that I talked about last week, I think were right. Kansas State could not throw the football. This was a game that Iowa State really should have won. And then NC State escapes with Jordan Travis throwing such a dumb interception. I had that one pretty high. I had quite a bit of confidence in NC State to win that game. I do not think it helped when Devin Leary went out, but ultimately they were able to kick enough field goals and made one play when it mattered. So I'll take those points any way that I can get them. I'll promise you that. No doubt about it. A lot of points on the Wolfpack. You're right. Your confidence play on Notre Dame was big. They were definitely the better team in that game. And hey, this is one of the things I like to highlight in what we're talking about. Sure, you went with a confidence value play on Iowa State. Their offense didn't perform all that well. They lose by one point. But here's the thing, Alan. People who really pay attention to what we're talking about here on the podcast, when you give Iowa State at a one on confidence value, they should be able to interpret that over on the ATS side on CBS Sports, that would naturally mean that you're taking Iowa State plus two and a half points, right? And so at that point in time, if people are taking your advice, sure, you may take an L on the confidence side, but if you're following that advice in both contests, you're actually coming away with a win against the spread. And you and I were both on that side with the Cyclones plus that two and a half points. So really either way, sure, it didn't really pay off in the value picks, but you had it identified as a really close game and a potential upset. You just happened to miss on that side, but the plus two and a half points came in in a big way in a one point finish. That's exactly right. Anytime you can get a win on that against the spread side, that means you really know what you're doing and kind of have it locked in. And so I don't think there's any coincidence that the people that are doing well on the against the spread are also doing well in the confidence picks, uh, because I think some of that really correlates. Totally. You're going to see some exceptions here and there, but there are a lot of people who have been up in contention in one contest. You flip over and look at the standings of the other one. You see a lot of the same names, not always in the exact same orders, but sometimes we have had the same leader in both. We do currently. Uh, There's just a lot of impressive things to look at from that standpoint, but something to uh, definitely take note of. Alan, when you look at my confidence slate over on ESPN, I had another big week, just like I did over on CBS Sports against the spread. I went 9-1 and one with 53 points. I took Texas at a 10, Southern Cal at a 9, TCU at an 8, Tennessee at a 7 as a confidence value play, NC State at a 6, UTSA at a 5, UCLA at a 4 as another confidence value pick, Notre Dame at a 3, and North Carolina at a 1. Allen, things just clicked. The only loss was Iowa State at a two. 
So I came away with the 53 points. I'm now 40 and 19 in my picks, and I have 237 points on my slate so far. I'll just throw in the note that, again, if I hadn't picked NC State, quote, unquote, against Clemson, you and I would be tied right now and a tie for 12th place. So I'm feeling (laughs) pretty good with where I'm at. I'm above the 85th percentile, just above 86th, actually. I'm in a tie for 19th, and I'm 15 points off the lead. But I really feel better about my standing than is actually showing on the leaderboard because of the mishap I had a week ago. But, you know, things happen. But I did make up for it in a big way this past week. Allen, North Carolina in an upset against Miami was a big one for me, even if it was only worth one point. UCLA was my confidence value pick. I took them in an upset against Utah here on the podcast. I talked all about that offense, and man, they tore the Utes defense apart. You look at what Tennessee did against LSU. I boosted the Vols way up in value, up to a seven. There were not many people on Tennessee at that value in our pick and board. And then you go over to Texas. I had the guts to go ahead and slot them up to a 10. To me, I felt like that was a big play. They come away with an absolute thrashing of Oklahoma. And we talked about it again with Southern Cal. Even though they were in control of that game, came away with a win, about halfway through that game, it was a little bit in doubt. But it really paid off to me. I think the values I had teams placed at largely was very correct. And I loved how my pick and board laid out, of course, coming away with the 53 points. Yeah, I think you nailed a lot of that. Obviously, the UCLA game was really perfect in many ways. They were able to exploit Utah's defense. I was on the other side of that. I thought Utah's defense would be able to contain and control them. They were not. Now, with it being a 10-point game, that was probably about right, the difference. But you look back, this could have been a tighter game if not for Cam Rising's just awful fumble fairly late in the game that really just nailed this one into the ground sure um but you just nailed that you had way more confidence in my balls than i did (laughs) um i had that one at a three i think in many ways that's because of my fandom we've Mm -hmm. talked about that it's hard to get over that but you nailed it they were really really impressive against lsu and texas just absolutely dog whipped Unlike, I don't know that we've ever seen in that kind of Red River rivalry shootout, 49 to nothing, just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I was on the other side of that Miami game, and UNC was the better team for much of that day. It would have been a fluke if Miami won it. So well done on that one as well. I do appreciate it, Alan. Of course, we did really well cumulatively on the picks, but we've got to highlight our leaders. I skipped over our ATS leaderboard, but Alan, we have a leader that is the same on both sides. Kristen, my wife, is still up there, and the ATS pick'em. She's now thirty-three and twenty-six. She's hitting at nearly fifty-six percent of her picks so far on the season. She has a one-game lead on a couple of people back behind her. But Alan, here's the thing I want to highlight. Now we've given out at this point. 24 ATS locks here on the podcast through our two episodes each week. And if people follow our picks, you knock out one of the losses we've given out because a lock party was lined up where you and I were both on Clemson. We lost that pick. And if people have followed every single pick we've made exactly as we've told them, they would have gone 13 and 10 in those picks. Here's why I want to highlight it. Because at this point, through six weeks in the season, you and I are hitting at 56.5% 
on our ATS locks. Again, Kristen, our leader, is hitting at just a touch under 56%. So technically, we have now set a baseline through six weeks that if people have been following our picks, they would have paced themselves with our baseline picks at a percentage marker higher than our actual leader on the leaderboard. So I don't know if that's going to hold as we go throughout the season, but it's a great spot to be as we've made it through six weeks into the season. Exactly. And we don't get to cherry pick like some of the national guys do, right? We have 10 games to select from, and I'm really grateful to see the statistics kind of prove um, kind of what we're doing here. Yeah, we're almost at the midway point of the season. This coming week we will be, and it'll be really interesting to see where we are at the midway point and whether we can hold steady throughout the season. But the fact that we're over 500 by a fairly solid mark at this point, I think is really encouraging for where we're headed with this thing, man. I agree. And our leaders over on the confidence pick on ESPN, we have co-leaders. One is Kristen, my wife, just as she is in the ATS pick She and William are tied at 252 points. But the tiebreakers, Alan, is what we talk about. This is how we're going to determine prizes by the end of the season. So each week doesn't really matter in the long run, but it does give you practice predicting these total scores in games as we go throughout the season. Kristen right now gets the nod over William because she was 11 points short on the total. William put a total of four points. So he was 65 points under the total, but at least he got a tiebreaker (laughs) score in there, just four points. But it's something we got to watch out for, Alan, because those things are going to help determine, especially if you land in a tie, you want to put yourself in a favorable spot with these matchups. So hats off to Kristen. She's done a phenomenal job. She's in a tie for the lead in one. She's in the front and the other contest and Williams right there with her. He just needed a little bit of correction on that tiebreaker score. That would have been perfect for Illinois versus Iowa, though. (laughs) Uh, If you'd put four points on Illinois versus Iowa, you might have come away with the best tiebreaker score of anybody. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) You're minus 11 on that one, and you'd have surely have some other people plus 20, plus 30 on that thing. 100%. All right, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and flip over to our pick'em portion of the episode, and let's dive into some ATS locks over on CBS Sports against the spread. Let's dive in, man. All right, because of my performance this past week, not to put any shade on you, Alan, but my performance, I went 17-3 and in my combined picks a week ago, so I'll be going first after you went 13-7. and And Alan, let's get this thing started against the spread with some locks over on CBS Sports. For the first one, I am going to look at an SEC matchup between Mississippi State and my Kentucky Wildcats. And Alan, the performance of the Kentucky Wildcats has not been anything too impressive in the last couple of weeks. There are some positives, though. Will Levis is expected to be back this coming week. He was out last week in the loss to South Carolina with a turf toe injury. But will that affect him on the field come Saturday night? I'm not sure. They do have Chris Rodriguez backed, and he has injected a little bit of positive momentum into the Kentucky running game, but it's still not great. The Kentucky wide receiver health is maybe a little bit of a concern. They got a little banged up in their game this past week. Kentucky does have a good defense, and I think that is their saving grace in a potential matchup against Mississippi State. It's a veteran defense that has performed really well, and they've come up with good game plans almost everywhere they've played, maybe except for the second half against South Carolina, but they are going up against a Will Rogers-led offense that has been really efficient and really good all season. Rogers had thrown 22 touchdowns versus only three interceptions. 
They just put up 42 points a couple of weeks ago against Texas A&M, and they have a very old veteran defense that really shut down this Kentucky running game a year ago, Alan. Yes, it was at Mississippi State, but they held Chris Rodriguez to 34 yards a year ago, and that was with a good Kentucky offensive line that ranked up there with one of the best in the country. Now Kentucky has one of the worst offensive lines in the country, and I'm not sure that that bodes too well for the Wildcats against the Bulldogs in this matchup. Something else I'm looking at is the fact that Kentucky has given up so many sacks this season. Alan, the Gamecocks came into last week with only four sacks in five games. Do you want to take a shot at how many sacks they had on Kentucky's backup quarterback in week six? Oh, my word. I have no clue. Again, four sacks in five games. They totaled six against Kentucky in one night. Oh, dear. So That's so bad. You make a bad South Carolina defense more than double their sacks from a standpoint on the season, and now you're going up against a pretty good Mississippi State defense with a Will Levis that may be hobbled a little bit because of his turf toe. Is he going to be less effective in the pocket? Is he going to be less effective scrambling? I think those are all possibilities. Alan, this is one of the lines that I think feels the safest, but I don't think it's any guarantee. I think Kentucky could cover this game if their defense plays really, really well, especially if they force a couple of Will Rogers turnovers, which he hasn't done much of this season. Kentucky, I think, could cover if they find themselves in like a 21-17 or maybe a 24-20 game, but I'm just not confident in this Kentucky team to put up a lot of points. So you can lock it up. I'm going to go against my Wildcats. You can take the Bulldogs minus 6.5 against the spread over on CBS Sports. That's where I'm going for my first ATS lock this week, even though I'm not 100% comfortable with it. Well, my man... Call it a fiesta because it is a freaking lock party again. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you on that. And looking in a week where it feels like the rest of the board is almost utter chaos, this is the one that sticks out to me that there are two different programs playing two different types of ball. Mississippi State is playing Really good football right now. The past three weeks, they've scored more than 40 points, two of which came against A&M and Arkansas. Now, we know that Arkansas defense is just tremendously awful. But even against Arizona earlier in the year, this team can score. The only time they haven't was against LSU, and that feels more like a fluke type of game. This Kentucky team just cannot score. And even though they do have a good defense, This feels like, you know, a tale of two cities. Like, they're heading in two different directions. I'm with you. Lock it up for the Bulldogs. Well, I guess I can take solace in the fact that we are having our second lock party of the season. Of course, the first one didn't go so well, but I'm glad that you're reading this one the same as I am. And uh, I did think, as I was prepping and as I was setting this up, I kind of felt like you were going to be on the same page with this one. I mean, we've seen a lot of the same things in a lot of these matchups. We were both on Mississippi State last year when Kentucky went down there as uh, ranked, I believe, undefeated at the time team. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were both on the right side of that one as Mississippi State really controlled that game, winning it 31 to 17. And I don't know, you're looking at a situation where you've got a similar Mississippi State offense to a year ago. You've got a similar Mississippi State defense to a year ago. You've got a similar Kentucky defense to a year ago. 
and you've got a Kentucky offense that's better at receiver, but really, really far worse in its running game than a year ago. So this Kentucky offense has really regressed an awful lot. And uh, outside, again, of turnovers and a really phenomenal defensive performance, I think that Mississippi State feels close to as safe as you can get against the spread this week. Yeah, I'm with you there. Just the uncertainty with Levis this week and honestly the terrible quarterback play they got last week, the certainty of how bad that was. It just feels like when you're looking for as much assurance as you can get, this one feels like the right play. Yeah, and I think if you're talking about either one of these teams potentially winning by multiple scores, I mean, it only makes sense that Mississippi State would be that team. So I don't know if this one's going to get out of control like that. But again, if it's either team, I think it's far and away easily Mississippi State, not Kentucky, because if Kentucky's doing it, it would have to be probably a couple of scores set up by its defense, maybe a couple of defensive scores. I mean, you're just not looking at a Kentucky team that's going to have a lot of success being able to control and blow out a Mississippi State team as an underdog. That's exactly right. I mean, they've not really blown out anybody this year. And they beat Miami of Ohio by 24, but at halftime, that was a pretty close game. Mm-hmm. Youngstown State is the dumb, deaf, and blind, so that doesn't count. They barely beat Northern Illinois, and their one good win in the year was Florida. And we've seen Florida to be fairly vulnerable in a lot of ways. Some of those bugaboos that Kentucky has really hasn't been fixed. So that's the reason I'm going with them. All right. Well, let the lock party fly into the weekend and give us a chance to uh, even up our record in lock parties as we go throughout the season. Only two of them now through seven weeks, but hopefully that one plays out in our favor or at the very worst, if it doesn't, hopefully my Wildcats could win. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, for you, you're going to win either way. You're hedging your bet. All right, Alan, let's move over to the confidence value picks over on ESPN. And I'm going to stay in the same matchup as I often do because when I look at matchups and I look at moves against the spread, oftentimes I think it correlates to looking at confidence value picks. So, Alan, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to look at Mississippi State, where I think they are the better team heading into Lexington, Kentucky. And if you were to look at the active spread that we have over on ESPN, it is also at Mississippi State minus six and a half. If you followed the spread, you would land the Bulldogs at either a six or a seven on your board. But Alan, I don't have a lot of confidence in much of anybody this week, but I do think Mississippi State is definitely the better team in this matchup. I'm going to slide them all the way to the top of my board. I've got the Bulldogs at a 10 this week over on ESPN's Confidence Pick'em. I like that. In a week, again, where you're just scratching and clawing for any definitive reason to choose anybody, especially at the top end of your board. That makes a lot of sense. All right, Alan, there's not a lot that I can add because we've already broken down the game, broken down the matchup. I think you've done the same. So why don't you take us to your confidence value play that you're going to give us here in this free pick and pod. Okay, so this is a team that I've gone against a couple of times this year in regards to against the spread. But I think this team has proven to be formidable and in many ways back. I'm going to big game Dabo. And Clemson visits Florida State in a pretty important game for the ACC. Florida State comes off a a game in many ways they should have won against NC State. They've had a couple of losses in a row. This is nut-cutting time for them, you know, losing to Wake Forest, then losing to NC State. Clemson, in a very odd fashion, in my opinion, is only a a three-and-a-half 
point favorite, which would put them on your board anywhere between one to a four in a week when I'm trying to identify better teams on my board. I think Clemson is definitively better than Florida State. And even with this being in Tallahassee, that's a place that they have proven that they can win. I think last week Clemson kind of got off to their slow start with BC. They ended up taking care of business. I'm moving that Clemson game up to at least a five, maybe that six or seven range. Yeah, I think that I'm on the same page with you on this one. I don't feel wonderful about this one, but I am pushing Clemson up in value. I mean, frankly, they've got a really good defense. This Florida State team has struggled to score the last couple of weeks when they've played Wake Forest and NC State. Clemson's defense is comparable, though they've struggled on the back end some. That's where I'm a little bit hesitant with this because Jordan Travis has been good for the Seminoles. He's got a big-time wide receiver and a guy like Johnny Wilson that is hard to cover because he is so big and athletic. He could give Clemson some problems, but at the end of the day, I like Clemson's running attack against FSU. I like the fact that DJU has played a lot better this season. I'm going to be with you. I'm just not feeling like this is an absolute guarantee that Clemson's is going to win this game. I could see it being very low scoring and close, but I do think I'm going to put a lot of stock in Clemson as well. I'm toying with the idea of having them as high as a nine on my board this week. Yeah, I'm with you there. So it's just one of those things in a week where you have to put somebody at the top, pushing them up the board makes a lot of sense. And quite frankly, for Florida State to cover in this game, I feel like a lot of things have to go right for them even to only lose by a field goal. And because of that, I feel pretty good about moving Clemson up the board. All right, Alan, unless there's anything else to touch on, we've already dived into a pick'em slate that is awfully difficult to look at. And uh, we're going to dive even deeper when we go over onto our bonus pick'em pod where we give our exclusive picks to our Patreon team members. That's where you can join us over on Patreon by joining us at a team member level of a walk-on tier or higher. That's at $2.50 a month or higher on our board, but it's going to give you the access to our picks. If you join at the $5 level, we're going to email you those picks on a weekly basis. So we've got a lot more coming in a week that is awfully hard to decipher. But Alan, it's going to be fun, and we're going to jump over there for some extra ATS locks and some confidence value plays. Yep, let's get out of the kiddie pool and go jump into the adult pool where you got to pay to get in. Love it. Alan, we'll talk to you over on the other side. See you, man. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.